Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Live from the New York Stock Exchange, I'm Allison Kosick, and here's what you need to know. Clashes erupt in Hong Kong as protesters try to storm a government building. Global markets bounce as the U.S. and China back away from new tariffs. And oil rallies amid expectations of a deal as OPEC meets. It's Monday, and this is First Move. Monday to you. We're going to get the very latest from Hong Kong in just a moment. But first, let's take a check of the markets. Global stocks are beginning the new month and the new quarter with strong gains on news of the trade truce between the U.S. and China. U.S. stocks are on track to rally 1% or more in early trading. The S&P 500 could retest record highs. And looking across the globe, it's a similar picture with European and Asian stocks. They're all solidly higher as well. Chinese and Japanese indices, they all closed up over 2%. The U.S. and China agreed on Saturday to put new tariffs on hold and restart trade negotiations. The Trump administration also agreed to let U.S. firms sell some products to Chinese tech giant Huawei again. Investors see this as merely a reprieve with a lot of hard work ahead before a final trade deal can be hammered out. That said, the truth is the truce is seen as the best that the two sides could have come up with right now. Taking a quick check of oil, it is making strong gains on expectations that OPEC will keep production cuts in place at its meeting in Vienna this week. We're going to have a live report from Vienna later in the show. But first, let's get right to the breaking news in Hong Kong. This is CNN Breaking News. Angry protesters have smashed their way into Hong Kong's Legislative Council building. A red alert has been issued, but so far the authorities have taken no concerted action to stop them. You're taking live, you're looking at live pictures from what's happening in Hong Kong. Now on the other side of the city, uh, the scene is much more peaceful with thousands of people marching to mark the anniversary of Hong Kong's transfer to China from Britain in 1997. I want to bring in Nick Robertson. He is outside the Legislative Council building where these protesters just broke through. Tell us what you're seeing. This has been a battle that they've been waging at this building uh, all afternoon for the last, I would say, about seven or eight hours. Protesters have been trying to break into the building. They've been smashing through the windows. They've been up there at the front with them. They use hammers. They use carts full of rocks. 
They use barricades that they break up and then try to literally ram them through the doors, ram them through the windows. When the windows are smashed, they move on to another section. It's been a very, very tense standoff, and I think it's only getting tenser. We are standing here on what has become really a resupply route for those press protesters at the front line. Umbrellas are being taken forward, bottles of water, and significantly helmets. We saw um, professional Kevlar helmets being unloaded here for the protesters <coughs> and sent to the front lines. And a few minutes ago, there was a large cloud of pepper spray sprayed by the police from the inside of the government building that came out. And this has been the tactic of the police through the day here. When the protesters look as if they're close to breaching the building, to getting in, the police move forward from their positions inside and they spray the protesters trying to come in with pepper spray. So this is a cycle that's been going on all afternoon and now into the evening. But now the numbers are growing and typically with the protests here, it's in the evening that the numbers pick up and the situation can become more tense and more violent. So uh, at the moment, all the energy and effort of these, of the the violent protests, if you will, is focused on on the government building, the legislative council building, and they're calling for the chief executive, Carrie Lam, to step down, to resign. The calls recently have been with her to to completely repeal the extradition bill to extradite some criminals from Hong Kong to mainland China. But this is so much more than that. For so many of these young protesters, they value and cherish the democracy and freedoms that they have in Hong Kong that their contemporaries don't have in China. These are the same democratic values that their parents here have lived under, their grandparents, and they feel that this law is the tip of the iceberg, the sort of Trojan horse, if you will, to begin to erode the liberties that they enjoy that don't exist in mainland China. So what you're witnessing here tonight is quite extraordinary. The 22nd 22nd anniversary of the handover of Hong Kong from Britain to China. These are protests like no one has seen here before on this scale or this level of confrontation with the police. And all we can see at the moment is the tension building. Just behind those doors inside the building there right now are the police. Outside the protesters pushing with more energy, more effort, more momentum as the evening goes on. Yeah, these pictures are extraordinary, Nick. Needless to say, Hong Kong's government has canceled its meetings in the Legislative Council for today. Clearly, uh, this is why they have stormed through the building there. What is the end game here? Uh, you know, as you said, you know, they want Carrie Lam to, to resign. They want uh, the bill completely removed. But as far as this moment, they're trying to get into the building. Are they concerned that this violence will uh, backfire at some point? I think to try to encapsulate the the very essence of what it is, they think that their lives would change so much more fundamentally for the worse if they lived under Chinese rule. And they feel that they, you know, they're not acting with a plan here. They feel that they have to say something, show something, so that China understands, so that the executive here understands, so that the chief executive understands, so everyone understands. 
this erosion that they fear of their civil liberties won't happen. So this is a momentous moment in their lives, and that shouldn't be underestimated. What seems like a small technical legal issue is so much more. So that's why there's the passion tonight. So what is the goal? The goal is to say something, show something, have this moment remembered, remembered that the way not to have it repeated is to avoid the legislation and the possible move towards mainland Chinese rule in a way that it isn't today. All right, Nick Robertson, that's amazing reporting. We're going to try to keep these live pictures up of these protesters making it through the Legislative Council building there. And I want to, want to move to someone else, someone who is actually on the front lines of Hong Kong's political battle. Claudia Mo is a pro-democracy legislator, and she joins me live now. Thanks so much for joining us. Where are you right now in reference to the Legislative Council building? I'm at the moment in uh, uh, what's called Tamer Park off uh, the waterfront, but you can see right behind me the, the crowds, a sea of uh, young people clad in black. And today it, it is such a traumatizing day for Hong Kong. You can feel uh, the, uh, the, the young's uh, the desperation. And thanks uh, very much uh, to your, uh, the previous two reports, very thorough and very understanding reports of uh, on Hong Kong you can feel that our young is, is just uh, they, they want change they knew uh, they are going violent some of them actually going fairly militant but then they feel they have nothing to lose that sort of attitude and probably possibly uh, there's some uh, martyr complex in there because uh, three young people of ours uh, took their lives uh, in apparent that uh, some apparent uh, protest against this Carrie Lam government but so far all we got was uh, a government statement condemning the violence uh, being well quote and unquote uh, being conducted here of course uh, there are uh, acts of violence but uh, instead of trying to understand the anger and and the hostility the government keeps us uh, trying to turn the tables that Hong Kong people should condemn instead uh, these young people and not uh, well, well, what uh, the government has uh, done wrong. Do you think that this more confrontational approach is going to work in getting the attention that these protesters want and need? Because clearly the uh, peaceful methods uh, that we've seen over the past several weeks, they weren't working. Well, uh, the, a month ago, if you asked me, all these protests in Hong Kong, are they going to work? Will the government actually uh, uh, scrap this uh, uh, China extradition bill, which, is, uh, which was, uh, well, still is most controversial? I would have told you no, uh, it's not going to work, but uh, there are uh, things uh, in politics <laughs> that would make you think or say, never say never. It's now been suspended, right? But we just don't want bloodshed uh, as a result because uh, the young are very determined. They're not uh, going to yield. They, they won't budge. The government would need to listen to them in, in some ways, right? 
Is there any concern among the protesters that they risk giving President Xi uh, an opportunity to justify a tough approach that he could wind up putting more pressure on Carrie Lam not to compromise? That I doubt uh, much. I think uh, as of now, uh, the young are mainly trying to vent their anger and that uh, this government is not really serving Hong Kong people's interests. Uh, We all know that as of today, uh, Carrie Lam is not going to step down. She couldn't unless uh, with uh, the endorsement, the approval of Beijing. But uh, they want something, the young want change. They want something positive. There are roughly uh, five demands about uh, what they uh, uh, deserve, they think. And Carrie Lam practically hasn't addressed to uh, addressed any of them. And so uh, that's why this uh, uproar at the moment, this government is just not listening to the people. All right, Carrie Mo, thanks so much for your perspective. It's been great talking with you. And still to come on First Move, call it a peace dividend. Global markets rally as the U.S. and China agree to its trade ceasefire. And we speak exclusively to Airbnb's head of global policy about some of the criticism of how the site is changing our world. Welcome back to First Move. We are live from the New York Stock Exchange. I'm Allison Kosick. Let's take another look at futures. U.S. stocks remain on track for a strong open on news of the trade truce between the U.S. and China. Tech stocks look like they're set to gain the most, especially chip stocks that have been hit really hard by the recent trade uncertainty. In pre-market trading today, chip makers like Micron, AMD, and Qualcomm, they're up all up more than 5%, 5% or more. Meantime, new data from China showing why a resolution of the trade war is so important. Chinese factory activity contracted last month to a reading of below 50 points. The manufacturing index has fallen to its lowest levels that we've seen since January. U.S. factory data fell to the lowest levels of the Trump presidency in May amid all the trade concerns. June U.S. factory numbers, they come out later today. All right, let's go to Paul LaMonica. He is watching the markets for us, and we are seeing lots of green arrows this morning on the heels of this truce um, as uh, President Xi and President Trump chatted on the sidelines of the G20. Yeah, as you mentioned, Allison, obviously a lot of optimism, particularly with the tech sector, all those chip stocks that have heavy exposure to the Chinese market. They are surging this morning. Apple is also up pretty sharply pre-market. So that's another tech stock, I think, that bears watching. And then on the flip side, you're going to see Chinese stocks that trade here in the U.S. also doing pretty well. Alibaba is up more than three and a half percent pre-market. I think there is just a sigh of relief, even though nothing is officially permanent just yet, that hopefully the U.S. and China will come to grips and have a real longer term trade deal at some point. That would be great news for both countries. Yeah, the trick is, though, if, uh, if, if talks certainly break down suddenly, you know, Huawei was really the bargaining chip in these talks, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that a lot of people were a little concerned about the fact that 
you know, the president was willing to let Huawei be a bargaining chip in these negotiations. But right now, this is potentially good news for all of the U.S. companies that still rely on Huawei in many cases for building out networking equipment. I mean, keep in mind, Huawei is a big provider of equipment for the companies that are building out wireless connectivity in rural areas in the U.S. So that's kind of Trump uh, central, if you will, for you know his 2020 reelection uh, chances. So if you all of a sudden had telecom firms and tech firms in middle America not being able to provide services that customers are used to, that potentially could have been a problem. All right, Paula Monica, thanks so much. I want to I want to go back to Hong Kong right now because protesters, as we showed earlier, they've actually smashed their way into the Legislative Council building. I'm talking about smashing through metal of the building. Our Hong Kong Bureau Chief Roger Clark, he is actually inside the Legislative Council building and he joins us now on the phone. Roger, what are you seeing? Well, there must be something like 500 people who are now inside the Legco building in Hong Kong. They smashed through an exit door uh, to get in. And once that door opened, they just poured in. And now, as I say, you've got at least 500 people inside a lobby. They're making their way up some stairs, their escalators, which they're not switched on at the moment. They're walking up there. And they're going now on to what looks like the first floor, where I can see at least 100 protesters on the first floor. They're very much in control of uh, this part of the building, and there are no police officers anywhere to be seen. Everybody is wearing hard hats in here, like construction workers' hats. Many people have got umbrellas and gas masks. And now the crowds are just going from the lobby up to the first floor, two by two by two, up the uh, escalators. And other protesters, meanwhile, are busy trying to smash some more doors down to allow even more people who are waiting outside, literally thousands waiting outside, uh, to get in. I mean, this is an incredibly serious situation that so many people, protesters, have forced their way through into the Hong Kong legislature, which is a kind of parliament for Hong Kong. Very, very serious situation indeed. But it's also quite incredible that the police allow protesters to get so close to this building in the first place. But once they were here, uh, the protesters then started to try and smash down doors and um, try and smash down some metal shutters that were brought down by the police who were having trouble doing that. That wasn't working, so they went to another door, which was kind of an exit door, um, which they managed to slide uh, open. And once that door was slide open, um, the crowd just poured in. And you can literally hear some banging in the background. That's another door about... 12 feet from me, which is being kicked in. And once that door opens, even more people get in here. Uh, I mean, there are now literally hundreds, possibly a thousand people in here now, and they're all making their way up the escalator to the uh, to the first floor. And on their way, I can see up to the second floor of, of this Lexco building in Hong Kong. And as I said a moment ago, no sign whatsoever of the Hong Kong police, but plenty of demonstrators here, and as I say, all wearing hard hats, goggles, gas masks, they've got cellophane wrapped around their bare arms, that cellophane is designed to protect the skin from any pepper spray that the Hong Kong police might fire. But as for firing, well, there are no 
Hong Kong police officers anywhere. I've seen some uh, walls that have been uh, spray painted uh, by the protesters. And, uh, yeah, a very, very serious situation here on the ground, uh, Alison. And, and we are right now, Roger, as you're talking, we're looking at the protesters. It looks like they're hopping over these metal barricades to get inside. So we have a different vantage point now of inside the building where you are. You said they're going to the first floor, even the second floor. How many floors are in this building? And what are these protesters doing once they're on the first floor, the second floor? What are they hoping to accomplish now that they're inside the building? Well, the protesters are making their way, as I say, to the first floor and up to the second floor. Uh, in truth, I don't know what's up there. It looks to me as though there are offices up there. What are they trying to accomplish? Well, they're protesting about their rights. Now, whether this will make the government sit up, who knows? I suspect it will, because government buildings have now been invaded by these protesters. These protesters are largely, Alison, young people, I would say mostly in their 20s, and these are people who are incredibly concerned about their human rights going forward to the future. They already believe that China is nitpicking away and chipping away at the rights that the Hong Kong people enjoy here. You'll remember when United States Hong Kong back uh, to China in 1997, a special administrative region was created. A deal was done between Britain and China to safeguard and guarantee the rights and freedoms and way of life of the Hong Kong people. And the Hong Kong people believe that those rights and freedoms and that way of life are under serious risk. They think that China is gradually chipping away at the fundamental human rights. They worry that the Hong Kong government doesn't do enough to protect the Hong Kong people. They have no trust in the Hong Kong government. They have no trust in the judiciary or in the, uh, in the police. And I think that's why they're here not just protesting against the uh, extradition bill, they're protesting about so much more than that. They're protesting because they're worried about their future, they're worried about their rights being uh, eaten away, and these are people, as I say, who are in their 20s now, and um, they're going to be here for a long, long time, and when the special administration runs out in 28 years' time, they're going to be here. But between now and then, they want their human rights, they want their human rights protected, and that's why they're protesting. Now, as I speak now, um, I don't quite know why, but um, the protesters are now coming back down the stairs off the higher floors. Quite a lot of journalists there. Lots of umbrellas are off. Clearly, the protesters are worried that maybe things will be thrown at them, maybe uh, pepper spray or tear gas. So they've all got gas masks on and hard hats and other umbrellas. Uh, but this is, as I said, uh, it's never been a situation that the Hong Kong Legislative Council could have been invaded quite like this. And absolutely no sign of the police whatsoever. And you've got to wonder now how the government is going to respond to this, because their, their government headquarters is being invaded by protesters. And um, as I say, a serious situation. I can see now some... Vandalism is taking place here. The uh, protesters are spray painting slogans in Chinese on doors and walls. But as I say, for some reason, the protesters are now coming down off the higher floors. Maybe the police are up there, I don't know. But um, they're coming from the upper floors. And um, some doors which lead to the outside are being smashed open. So whether more people come in or not, I don't know. But it, it does actually look as though the protesters are starting to leave the building.
I can see some people who are perhaps organisers, if you can call them that, somebody with a loud hailer um, and people waving. And so they're now asking the protesters to leave the building. So maybe the protest organisers are thinking that these sorts of pictures of the government building being invaded are, quite frankly, not the sort of pictures that they want to be beamed uh, around the world. And possibly this kind of behaviour by people is not doing their cause any good at all. So the uh, so-called protest leaders, if you can call them that, fairly loosely organised, uh, they're now getting uh, everybody to leave the building. Um, so uh, that's how it is at the moment on the ground, Alison. All right, Roger Clark, we will continue to follow these extraordinary developments live from Hong Kong. Um, we are going to get to the markets very quickly and most likely get back to you very soon. Thanks so much for your great reporting. And as back to First Move. I'm Alison Kosick, live from the New York Stock Exchange. What you just heard, that was the opening bell on this Monday morning. And as expected, we got a solidly higher open across the board for U.S. stocks as we begin the second half of the trading year. Hopes that the U.S.-China trade truce will lead to a final trade deal. That, as you can see, is boosting sentiment. Now, this is going to be a holiday-shortened trading week on Wall Street. Markets, they're closed on Thursday for the 4th of July. There's a shortened trading day on Wednesday as well. That said, it will be a busy week for U.S. data. The U.S. jobs report for June, that comes out on Friday. And with the trade truce in place, markets will focus once again on expectations for any Fed rate cuts or hints of that. Uh, the big question here, will uh, rate cut expectations diminish if hiring rebounds from May's tepid levels? So as we begin the trading day, the S&P 500 is currently in record territory. We will continue to take uh, to keep an eye on the, the markets today. All right, let's take a look at how global markets are doing. Stocks are higher pretty much across the board. As you can see, the Nikkei, the Shanghai Composite, both gaining more than 2%. And as we mentioned, investors have a fresh spring in their step following a climb down in the U.S.-China trade war. Kate Willems was formerly the lead negotiator for the U.S. at summits uh, such as the G20. He's now a partner at the law firm Aiken Gump. Cleet joins us live from Washington right now. So happy you can join us at this pivotal moment because uh, now that we see that talks are back on track, everyone's kind of looking at how that actually happened. Um, we saw the U.S. make a big concession on Huawei, allowing the company to buy tech equipment from the U.S. But the administration, it has been clear that Huawei is a national security threat. So what happened here? Well, I think what the administration is saying on Huawei is that there is a difference between having a national security threat to being a part of your networks and producing cell phones for use in China with American parts. And I think you can distinguish these things, and I think the administration's position is defensible. I think they don't want to let Huawei penetrate the networks, but if U.S. companies want to do business on things that aren't directly related to that, um, they may let them do so. Okay, so you look at the China trade um, war itself, you know, for all the hand-wringing going on about President Trump's tough stance on tariffs against China, you know, some Republican and some Democratic lawmakers even, they're worried that President Trump will actually give up too much in any deal he's going to make because he's eager to make a deal. Do you see that happening? No, I don't see that happening. And I think it's really interesting 
that there was no deadline coming out of this meeting. By all accounts, the meeting went well. It's good that the two sides are talking. But the fact that there's no deadline signals that the U.S. isn't in a hurry here uh, to get a deal at any cost. Rather, I think it shows that the U.S. is pretty comfortable with its position and is willing to continue the negotiations as long as is needed uh, to make sure that China makes the changes, the structural changes in its economy on forced technology transfer and IP rights that, that the United States is seeking. But where do where do talks go to now, now that they're back on track? I mean, we saw talks get even close to a deal before, but we saw, according to the administration, China actually backtrack on a deal. How can there be, um, how can you sort of hold China's feet to the fire? I get it that, that tariffs are the leverage that, that the U.S. has over China, but, but is that enough leverage to, to keep China on track to actually, when they shake hands in a deal, that they actually hold to it? Well, I think the tariffs are a big part of the leverage. The other piece of the leverage, of course, is Huawei. And as the administration clarified yesterday, um, big changes are not expected until a deal is effectuated, until a deal is completed. So that's going to continue to be a source of leverage. Obviously, to the extent that the U.S. can continue to work with allies and partners to pressure China, that's going to help. And I think if you look at the G20 readouts from the president's meeting with Japan, with India, with Germany, they all talked about needing to deal with this China stuff together. So there's a lot of ways that the administration can impose leverage. But ultimately, I think in order to get a deal, the administration is going to need to show a little bit of flexibility on the tariff issue. And China, as you pointed out, is going to need to show some flexibility on the question of how are they going to change their laws uh, to, to implement any of these commitments. That's going to be critical. Okay, Cleet Willems with uh, law firm Aiken Gum. Thanks so much for your, your uh, perspective today. Thank you. The cartel of oil-producing countries, OPEC, is meeting in Vienna. It's expected to extend its agreement with Russia and other producers to cut supplies. Oil prices are rallying on reports that suggest it's a done deal. This is how Brent and WTI are trading right now. Let's go to John Devterios, who is live for us in Vienna. So uh, hello to you, first of all. You know, the market seems to be working in favor of OPEC right now. But right, are the tensions with Iran and Saudi Arabia around the Strait of Hormuz uh, impacting negotiations? I think clearly uh, so, Allison. Uh, in, in fact, the meeting has started nearly two hours late because of the geopolitical tensions and the uh, backroom deal-making that often takes place trying to find a neutral party. This should be almost a slam dunk, if you will, just to renew the extension six to nine months because the oil market is working in the favor of OPEC and the non-OPEC players. Around $60 for WTI, around $66 for Brent. This is sweet. But you have Saudi Arabia and the UAE on one side in the Gulf and Iran on the other, and the Strait of Hormuz bang smack in the middle. So, of course, this is a challenge. I asked the Iranian minister, in this context of the sanctions against him and the tensions that we see against Saudi Arabia and the UAE, what would he like to see from the meeting? Because there's a discussion inside right now about the future of OPEC and it withstand the sort of tension from the U.S. and the tensions in the Gulf itself. Let's take a listen. It's important for me to protect the existence of OPEC. The existence of OPEC for me is the main important thing. And in this meeting, I think I, we had an uh, achievement for 
better procedure for uh, decision making inside Africa. We've had wars, we've had conflicts, uh, differences between different countries. We keep them outside the room. We come here, we're pragmatic, we talk about supply demand balances and how to get the oil markets to stabilize and, and, and in turn lead the global economy in the right direction. Right direction would be, of course, to keep this price where we are today. Uh, Fale told me in that scrum there they'd like to extend it for up to nine months. But how about the pain on Iran, Allison? They're looking at a loss of up to $50 billion a year uh, due to the sanctions. So the game right now is to try to save face, try to keep OPEC together and walk away and go back to Tehran and say, I fought the good fight, even though their production now or the exports are around uh, 400,000 barrels a day. This time last year, it was around 3 million barrels a day. So the pressure is on Iran and also the tension that we see within the OPEC, non-OPEC deal that's two and a half years uh, old. Allison. All right. CNN's uh, John Deptarios live from Vienna. Thanks so much. This is CNN Breaking News. Okay, we want to get back to our breaking news in Hong Kong. You're looking at live pictures uh, where protesters have forced their way into the Legislative Council building. They've actually smashed through metal barriers across the entrance. Uh, they've actually made it to the first and second floors. And it's hard to tell where they are right now. They look like they're uh, in what some sort of meeting room uh, where there's an emblem there. Uh, not sure what they expect to accomplish inside the building. Uh, maybe we can get more from Cherie's fam. Is she with us now? Cherie. Hi, Allison. Uh, there is no clear. Sorry, Allison. Go ahead. Tell us what you're seeing there. We're just around the corner from the Legislative Council building, as you mentioned there, and we are now starting to see little bursts of violence. We are on this main thoroughfare of Hong Kong. It runs through the heart of this major financial international hub. But as you can see, this four-lane highway has been taken over by tens of thousands of protesters, mostly in the area that we've been here. Uh, we've been here for several hours. It's been peaceful. But they've been supporting their fellow protesters around the corner at the Legislative Council building, at the main government building, where they have broken through. They have been rushing hard hats to fellow protesters. They have been running umbrellas to fellow protesters to continue this push. And we're hearing these chants of Hong Kong, add gas or add oil, which is essentially a cheer that you would say at a basketball game, saying, go Hong Kong, go, push forward, keep on going. And the protesters here are really fighting for the future of Hong Kong. They say that the political freedoms that the semi-autonomous city has enjoyed for years are being eroded as mainland China uh, pushes further into Hong Kong, Allison. And we're watching uh, live pictures right now of a protester spray painting an emblem that looks like it could be in one of the council building's meetings room. Um, wh what are they trying to accomplish now that they're inside the building? mixed messages. We heard when they were trying to get into the building that they just want to be heard, that they say that the government is not listening to their demands and by pushing into the main government building here. And just to give you a sense of what the Legislative Council is for Hong Kong, this is like, this would be like uh, protesters breaking into Congress in the United States and taking over the main foyers 
and smashing and breaking and causing destruction and spray painting that building. That is what is happening here in Hong Kong just in the last few minutes. Uh, we've also heard reports that there are some protesters who are trying to shut down the electricity of uh, the Legislative Council. That, as far as we know, has not happened yet. Um, but what they have accomplished so far is that they have broken through the barrier because it is a national holiday today. So the glass windows were shattered, but for a very long time, they were kept out by steel barriers that had been barricaded down because uh, the complex is closed. They've been able to pry those metal gates open and push their way into the complex. And now, uh, just in the last hour or so, the Legislative Council saying that all meetings that were scheduled for tomorrow have now been canceled. Okay, so meetings today canceled, meetings tomorrow canceled, and yes, we saw the protesters there spray paying uh, the symbol of Hong Kong. Is there any concern that all of this violence can backfire and embolden President Xi to, to push uh, Carrie Lam to not compromise once things settle down? That's absolutely a fear. Uh, the one thing that has made Hong Kong such a special place is that it has acted as this middleman between mainland China and global financial markets and global investors. But as these political freedoms are being eroded by mainland China, the question is, is will Hong Kong lose its special status and will China back down from all that we've seen of President Xi Jinping's uh, style of governing so far in China? is that he's not the type of leader who will back down. And analysts that I was talking to say they don't care. Xi Jinping's government doesn't care if foreign firms and international business decide that this is not a place that they want to be. Xi Jinping is concerned with keeping his power intact, and that could mean cracking down even further on the city here, Allison. Okay, Sharice Pham live for us from Hong Kong outside the building. I want to go inside the building with Roger Clark. He is on the phone for us. He's our Hong Kong bureau chief, once again, inside the, legisl the Legislative Council building, joining us now live on the phone. What are you seeing, Roger? Well, the crowds inside the Legco building have actually got smaller. Um, the uh, protest organizers started waving people out about uh, 10, 15 minutes ago. Uh, so the crowds are definitely smaller, and they've come down from the first floor and the, uh, the second floor. Although, <laughs> no sooner do I say that, but more people are actually starting to walk up to those higher floors. Uh, the protesters are completely in control of this uh, ground floor, and they're moving through it uh, completely at ease. No sign of the police uh, anywhere. There's uh, graffiti all over the walls now. Uh, the spray paint people have been out, and there's, uh, there's some... Uh, there are some very offensive uh, slogans written on the walls here about the Hong Kong government. Everybody, and I mean everybody, is wearing a hard hat, the kind of hats that you see construction workers use. They've all got goggles. Many are wearing cling film on their arms to protect them from pepper spray. Um, but the protesters are completely in control of this uh, ground floor area. And as I said, they're going up the steps again towards the first floor and the second floor um, as... People are starting to come back into the building. They, they did start to uh, funnel out again after we had at least 1,000 people in here at its height when those two 
exit doors were forced open and people poured in about 45 minutes ago. But now we find ourselves in a situation where the protest organisers tried to get people to leave, and they did for a while, and now people are coming back in again. So it's, um, it's a very sort of confusing picture here, but a, a very, very disturbing picture for the Hong Kong government, no question about that. They're going to look at this and be absolutely horrified to see their legislative council building having been stormed by hundreds, if not early thousands, of uh, protesters who are extremely unhappy, clearly, with uh, the way the Hong Kong government is uh, treating them here. Um, I'm just walking now through a security barrier, um, which, needless to say, is completely uh, ineffectual. Uh, you're supposed to swipe your card, I think, to come through this security barrier. But uh, clearly nobody's swiping any cards today. They're just walking around, um, and they've got uh, their spray cans. I can see them spraying more offensive slogans on the, uh, on the wall. Some people actually have got uh, makeshift riot shields. Uh, so next to one guy with the, uh, half a suitcase and a strap inside, and he's walking around with the base of the suitcase as his uh, shield should the police decide to attack. Now, something is uh, going on here because the crowds are now rushing down the stairs. All those people I was telling you about who were calmly walking up the stairs, they're now walking back down the stairs and they're doing it pretty quickly. So you've got to wonder whether the uh, police are perhaps up there somewhere. Big pardon? Where? Outside or inside? Okay, so the word from that chap there speaking to me said to... Uh, be careful and get out of the way because the police are gathering. Now, whether the police are gathering inside the building to push people out from the, uh, the higher floors, I don't know because I can't see, but the protesters are certainly moving down from that first floor to the ground floor pretty quickly, and people are now starting to uh, to leave. Now, earlier today, pardon? The police are up there, are they? How many, you know? On... on Okay, thank you very much. So that's just telling me that uh, the police are up there and they are uh, apparently going to start moving down. But I can't see any police officers uh, at the moment. I can see plenty of protesters who are coming down and they're coming down pretty quickly now. So you wonder what is going on at those uh, higher floors. And people are starting to people are starting to leave the building. And now I'm just seeing all of these makeshift barriers being dragged in to the Ledgeco building. So what I think they're going to do, the protesters, is they're going to get all the protesters down the stairs, out of the way. Then they'll put these makeshift barricades up at the bottom of the stairs, just in case the police try and come down and uh, clear people from this lobby area. They'll have some difficulty uh, getting past these barriers, uh, the makeshift barriers that the protesters are, are carrying in. Um, so it's all, it, it, I mean, these protesters, I've got to say, are pretty well organised. Once they, once they um, put their minds to something, they're pretty well organised in the way that they move around with their barriers and they move around with their supplies. Today, throughout the day, you've seen a huge amount of supplies coming to uh, the Lexico building. And what happens is you'll see a couple of transit vans uh, pull up and then the transit van door will open and water, hard hats, umbrellas, food cling film and other supplies will be unloaded and passed along a human chain, literally a thousand of people passing these supplies down the human chain uh, to people who've been demonstrating here. So in a kind of highly disorganized way, this has been very organized. 
And as I speak, the uh, lobby where I am now, it actually uh, smells quite a lot of spray paint, to be honest. Just everywhere I look, the walls are being spray painted with um, offensive uh, slogans. And uh, now the stairs are almost completely clear. And I suspect nearly all the professors have come down from those upper floors. So maybe the police are gathering there. But I have to say, um, this is the Hong Kong Legislative Council building. This is the heart of the Hong Kong government. The building has been invaded by protesters and we see not one single police officer. Not one single police officer um, is here. Now, earlier today, I saw about five or 600 officers who were outside the building in a different, uh, different side of the building for the protesters. Um, but I haven't seen any, any police officers in the last... So where, are the, uh, where are the police? Up there. So, as we speak at the moment, people are leaving the upper floors, the down and the lower floors. Everyone is now wearing gas masks and hard hats. So I think they're anticipating uh, some kind of police activity in the not-too-distant future, Alison. Yeah, it is amazing. You, you make a point that this is the heart of the government in Hong Kong, where it's literally been invaded by protesters who are spray painting and, uh, you know, hanging an old Hong Kong flag from when it was under British rule. And we're watching protesters rip up books near the dais where uh, we can assume that council members, government officials actually sit and create law. Uh, and you're, you haven't seen any police officers yet thousands of people streaming into this building. Do you feel like they're, that police are outnumbered? Well, I mean, it's quite incredible because of the protests that you see around the world, normally the police would make an area around parliament buildings and government buildings sterile areas, so protesters wouldn't get anywhere near them, let alone storming them and uh, smashing windows and literally pressing their noses up to the, uh, up to the wall. Uh, I'm actually just walking up the steps myself yeah, so I'm just walking uh, up the stairs now, which is now pretty much deserted of, um, of protesters, one or two stragglers. If you can hear a, a horns gone off there, there are alarms going off inside the building. And I'm just making my way to the top of the stairs, so bear with me one second. Have you seen the police up there? Are the police up there? No, 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 no. Okay. No police. Okay. Okay. So what we're what we're finding out now is that the uh, protesters who went up to the first and second floor, they realised that there wasn't a lot they could do on the first and second floor, and are now trying to direct the protesters towards a different part of the building, where the legislative council chamber is so yes. we've got some very steep escalators here alison so uh, apologies if i'm out of breath here but we're coming down the escalators now where the crowds are amassing and moving i think they're trying to find their way through this building to get to the legislative council chamber but uh, it looks as though they don't quite know where it is or how to get there but this is a, a very very serious situation no question about that the hong kong government legislative council it's been invaded by protesters, it's been vandalised, and they are very much in control of this part of the building, and no sign of any police officers anywhere, Alison.
Yes, so the Legislative Council Chambers is what we actually are seeing on our TV screens right now. Uh, we see uh, protesters moving chairs and spray painting the chamber. So I, I would say dozens and dozens of protesters have made their way to the chambers, and they are literally ransacking the chambers. And, and as you said, there is no sign of, of police. Do you get the feeling that police are just waiting this out at this point? They're just waiting for this to sort of finish? Well, I don't know what their tactic is, to be quite perfectly frank, and I suspect when all this is over, there'll be a, a full-scale review of their tactics because protesters should not have been able to get into this building. And um, I can't believe it. This is, uh, if this is a police tactic, it's a very strange tactic, I have to say. But it was very unusual for the police to allow protesters to get so close to uh, this building in the first place. Now what the protesters are doing is they're building a whole bunch of barricades and using plastic pipes, so you know, the plastic strips, the ziplock zip tightings to tie these things together. These are crowd control barriers and they're being used by these protesters in Hong Kong to effectively blockade this part of the building to make it very difficult for the police to actually clear it. Now, as I speak, more and more people are pouring in and I think they're trying to make their way to the council chamber. But um, it is pretty you know, chaotic in here, and I suspect quite a lot of the protesters just don't know where the council chamber is. Um, they certainly went up to those higher floors and found that those higher floors didn't really take them anywhere. Um, now the barriers, these barricades, which are in the shape of a triangle. They use barricades like this to try and smash their way through. And now they're using the barricades to effectively prevent the police coming in and clearing them at some point and as I say the walls are now covered in graffiti uh, there are people shouting on megaphones and this really is an utterly utterly symbolic and very very worrying situation on the ground here with the Hong Kong police having done uh, nothing in the last uh, 45 minutes or so to try and retake control of this part of the Legislative Council building but you've got to understand, Alison, that here in Hong Kong, passions run very, very high. People here, they're not just protesting about you know, bus services or taxes or anything like that. They are protesting because they fear their fundamental human rights are being eroded. These were okay. human rights guaranteed 20 years ago when the British mm -hmm. government and the Chinese government signed a treaty which was to guarantee the way of life the laws of the Hong Kong people and okay, the Hong Roger Kong people Clark. here, most of them here in their 20s, mm. they feel that the Hong Kong government and the Chinese are nipping away at those. All right, Roger Clark, thank you so much for your great reporting. We will stay on these pictures and stay on this story right here on CNN. Uh, this has been First Move. Stay with CNN for the latest uh, with what's going on in Hong Kong. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. 
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.